0: Hey there, Friday Night Movie fans. We've got an exciting special event episode for you today. In partnership with Camp Tell Yehuda, also known as TY, where our parents met and where my sisters and I all went as teenagers, we had the opportunity to participate in a series of discussions, one of which we were able to record and release as a special podcast. I had the opportunity to interview Steve Greenberg, the CEO of S-Curve Records. He is, in addition to being an incredible mensch and a very gracious, gracious person, uh, he is a legend in the music business. He... Produced and won a Grammy for Who Let the Dogs Out. He also worked with Fountains of Wayne on "Stacy's Mom, one of our favorite, favorite songs. He also produced and uh, was involved with the creation of the film Around, an amazing album by David Broza, East Jerusalem, West Jerusalem, where David Broza went um, to East Jerusalem and worked with Palestinian musicians in an effort to promote peace and understanding And it's an amazing album. He is also going to be the host of a podcast that's dropping on July 28th called The Speed of Sound, where he is going to bring all of his music, knowledge, and history to bear in a uh, a podcast that will tell the story of pop culture phenomenon. But it doesn't stop there. Steve also did an incredible thing during the conversation, one of the S-curve, label most famous artists is a woman named netta who won the eurovision contest in 2018 and you probably remember us talking about her in the eurovision episode of the podcast well again i mentioned she is on his label on s-curve records and he um invited her and she agreed to drop into the conversation and as a result we got to speak with her for an additional 20 minutes or so and she took questions and she could not have been more inspiring and amazing and gracious with us. And I want to say a huge thanks to TY, a huge thanks to Steve Greenberg, and a huge thanks to Netta for not only participating in this conversation but agreeing to allow us to release it on the Friday Night Movie Podcast feed. I hope you enjoy it. This is as special as as it gets and uh don't forget to check out netta on all of her platforms and of course steve's upcoming podcast the speed of sound that will be available where all podcasts uh, are available so with that out with and without further ado here is a very special friday night movie podcast episode An enormous pleasure to be back with the Ty crew. I kind of didn't expect us to spend three weeks together, but we have now, which is totally awesome. So uh, it's great to be back. I even recognize a few folks here um, uh, who who are who are from my camp days, like Julie. Uh, uh, hey, Julie. Um, but the, the you know it's great that we started with that opening video from Netta, uh, of course, that won the Eurovision Song Contest. And, I'll, and, and as I introduce our guest, I'll tell a quick story, um, is that the if anyone has seen the new Netflix movie, uh, Eurovision, which is like my new favorite movie, I've watched it four times, and Netta makes a brief cameo in that movie, and I was watching it with my daughter, my seven-year-old, and I explained to her, this woman won the whole contest, the real contest, she said, an Israeli woman with a Hebrew name, my kids have Hebrew names, won, and they won, they've won four times, and it became this incredible moment of pride um, for her and, and understanding of the, of the potential of what you can be as a Jewish artist. And it made me so excited to have the opportunity to introduce to you all now a Jewish artist, a producer, a Grammy winner, um, and a guest lecturer at my early 2000s era McGill University class with Gil Troy, um, former uh, president of Columbia Records and now uh, head of S Curve, um, Steve Greenberg. Welcome.
1: Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Um, so it's it's a thrill for me to get a chance to talk to you again after again remembering your amazing lecture from, from 20 years ago. We're going to do what we do every week. We're going to ask you a few questions. I'm going to ask you a few questions, and we might even show some cool videos from some of the things we reference, and then uh, I'll uh, we'll turn it over to the audience for questions. Now, in other weeks, folks, we've used the chat. This week, we are going to use the raise hand function so uh be ready to use the raise hand function and unmute i'll look to the ty tech folks to help manage manage that um uh but you know steve's a man of the people wants to hear and, and see who's asking the questions okay steve tell you who to. so we always like to start there how did how has it influenced your life? How has it influenced uh, the path you've taken and the impact you've been able to make in the world?
1: Wow, that, I mean, I think in so many ways, like the most obvious is that so many of my close friends to this day uh, went with me to Camp Tell Yehuda. I attended Camp Tell Yehuda from 1976 as a chanich, on through 1984 as a Merakez. And I was a Madriach in between and a kitchen boy in between that. and. Um, so a lot of my friends, and of course, you know, that's that's the most obvious thing. Also, I think one of the things that we get out of uh, our involvement in Young Judea and leadership in places like Tell Yehuda is just the ability to know that you can actually do things. You know, I think that um, so many things that we take for granted, being able to lead a Pula, being able to get up in front of a group and speak, being able to organize a rally or some kind of. Of, of activity that has some positive uh, impact potentially is a thing that it's not so obvious to everybody that they can just do that. And I think people who went to tell Yehuda and who were involved in Yongejidea know that they can do those things and they have the skills to do those things. And then finally, but maybe most important, I think that sense of um, an obligation toward Tikkun olam, an obligation to try to make the world a better place, the commitment to social action Uh, All those things, you know, came out of my involvement in Young Judea. Um, The last couple of years that I was in Marrakezik camp, we had a chug called Edgar, where the whole purpose of that chug was social action. And we did social action projects. And again, you know, I think that it's about knowing that, you know, not only uh, can you change the world, but you should change the world.
0: Yeah, Aniva Ata, right? I mean, and how amazing is it that you, you know, we you grow up singing songs. There's always someone with a guitar playing in camp. In, in my generation and and, and 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 beyond, of course, the songs of David Broza are a huge piece of camp's fabric. And you, you actually, you work with artists like Netta and you work with artists like David Broza. What is the experience of, what is experience like working with international stars and then adding that extra dimension of, international Jewish stars with Israeli roots
1: mm. you know I, I feel a special connection to David Broza because actually back in 1982 um, myself and a couple of other staff members at the time taught the song Yehia Tov to Camp Tel Yehuda for the very first time oh wow we sat there and we listened to the record and we wrote the lyrics down and we made the lyric sheets and we distributed. And so like, I, I always I always felt a, a kinship to David Broza because of that. It's it's a real honor to work with somebody like David Broza, um, because not only is he a great artist, one of the great uh, acoustic guitar players in the world and an incredible songwriter, but also he has a sincere and um, important commitment to social change and to making the world a better place, especially in the area of peace. And he puts his money where his mouth is. He, uh, for years, talked to me about wanting to make an album in Jerusalem with a band that consisted of Palestinian musicians together with Israeli musicians, and and he did it. He did it. And it's such a hard thing to do because those two communities in Israel don't often get together for um, artistic exchange. And I said to him, I said, what happens if nobody shows up? What if you can't get people to show up? He said, if no one else shows up, I'll do it myself. I'll make the record by myself. But I hope they'll show up. And, and eventually people did actually show up. It wasn't without hiccups. It wasn't without challenges but um we actually got in, in a room um, a group of israeli musicians a group of palestinian musicians palestinian rappers from the shufat refugee camp the great israeli arab singer Mira awad all kinds of great people and we made this beautiful album that's a testament to cooperation and coexistence
0: it's amazing east jerusalem west jerusalem is the name of the album and i'd love to play a clip of um i have a video up here and it should be screen sharing just confirm to me that you all can see it can you can you You see see it it. okay great and the sound's going to come through and um this is an amazing documentary it tracks david broza uh going and working with these palestinian um, artists and it's a very human story um i i just absolutely love it i want to play a clip here of david working with the Jerusalem Youth Choir, which is a mixture of Palestinian, um, Arab, and Jewish uh, young people singing a very, very famous song. What's so funny about peace and love and understanding? And after we show that, I want to ask you a couple questions about it. And 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 if people are watching, I want to play Where's Waldo. See if see if you recognize someone that is not me in this two person conversation in the in in this section. Hi.
2: I walk through As I
0: walk through This wicked world This wicked world
2: Searching for
0: light In the darkness
1: Of insanity I ask myself
0: I hope everybody saw, if you took a glimpse, Steve's actually in the room, and if you watch the documentary, it was, uh, I believe, Steve, it was your idea to pick this song. Now, I've heard, I love this song. Elvis Costello play is the first version I heard. I've seen R.E.M., my favorite band of all time, with Bruce Springsteen play this on stage together, and I've played it in concerts that are related to Peace myself as a musician. What made you feel like this was a song that needed to be on this album, and also, can you tell us about that arrangement? That
1: incredible arrangement. Yeah, yeah, arrangement? sure. I mean, yeah. First of all, I mean, it's a, it's a song that I always loved from the time it came out, and it's written by Nick Lowe, but it it was made famous by Elvis Costello. Um, I think on the album we wanted to do songs, some of them by by artists who actually uh, have been critical of Israel, some who who have even boycotted Israel. Because our attitude is we don't believe in boycotts. We want there to be an open cultural exchange. So. You know, we did a song called Every Day I Write the Book, which was written by Elvis Costello and this song, which was uh, sung by Elvis Costello, as well as a Roger Waters song, because um, we're, we're saying, hey, we, we want to just respect the art and we want to have an open exchange of ideas. Um, one of the great things about having a record company is that every once in a while you get to just fulfill one of your musical yeah. fantasies. And I always wanted to do a version of that song that way. <laughs> and finally, many years, many decades after I heard the song and first thought of wanting to do the song that way, I actually got to do it with David Broza. And uh, and he was very open to the idea, and, uh, and it was really great. And, and, and those kids in the Jerusalem Youth Choir, it's, it's kids who are, it, the, the choir, again, is a, is a combination of uh, Jewish kids from West Jerusalem and Palestinian kids from East Jerusalem. And when I first met them, I had a very moving moment because they introduced me to them and they were talking about um, who I was as a producer because I was about to produce their session. And they said, well, you know, he produced a record called Who Let the Dogs Out? And immediately, spontaneously, all the kids um, just suddenly burst out into, like burst out into who let the dogs out? And it was amazing to me because A, it was like very beautiful to see, oh, you know, Jewish kids and Palestinian kids together, music brings them together. But also I realized that that none of them had been born at the time that that record came out. And you realize that the power of music to just live on even past the moment that it's kind of at its commercial peak, that, that songs become part of the social fabric. And it's really wonderful to to see that and, and to be part of it is an incredible thing.
0: All right, so I'm a big music geek and I, I of course know about the Who Let the Dogs Out, but also you've, uh, you've worked with Hanson, you've worked with, Um, uh, Duran Duran you've worked with some you know major major the Jonas Brothers I believe you're one of the early adopters of the Jonas Brothers as as a as as an executive so this is just a music question here how do you know when something like who let the dogs out or you see a Jonas Brother or a Hanson Brother and you say this is going to be huge
1: when it's a song I think it's that like you just can't stop thinking about it like you, you like a lot of things at the time you hear them the first time not everything but a lot of things and it's the ones that you keep coming back to and you can't get enough to and you want to hear it again and again and he's thinking about oh if we did it that way it would be amazing those are the ones that, we, that you just know that you just know um, that that they're hits and, and and sometimes by the way it pays to have people around you who know songs or hits um a few years ago i heard a demo by one of our artists andy Grammer, um who people might have heard of here and he had a new song and I played the demo for my daughter, and my daughter said, oh my god, that song's a hit. And I have to tell you, I've never liked any Andy Grammer song before that you've ever played me, but that song is a hit. You have to go and produce that song. And on her advice, I went and produced that song, and it now is, I think it's five times platinum, that song. And the song is called Honey, I'm Good, that many people here I'm sure have heard of. And the person who told me to record it is right here on this Zoom, which is Abigail. <laughs>
0: It looks like she's cheering <laughs> that's really really cool um, we uh, so speaking of songs and artists um, uh, ones that are I guess newer like Andy Grammer um, but you've also worked with some legends uh, uh, we talked uh, you know, when we chatted yesterday we talked about the OJs also Betty Wright um, uh, and and a theme that's come up in our last three conversations here with the TY crowd and the theme of And the theme of tikkun olam is, of course, what's going on right now in our country with um, racism and uh, people wanting to be out and supporting the Black Lives Matter movement and being anti-racist. I want to play, if it's okay with you, a little bit of this incredible video and song that you uh, produced with the OJs. And and then I want to hear the the backstory to that because... It's, it's, this is as, as you rightly point out, this, this video is from a couple of years ago, but it might as well be today in terms of what it's talking about, the images and the images that are in it. So I'm going to play that right now and, um, and, uh, and then we'll get back to that, uh, in a moment. Here we go. This is from a mi- the middle of the video.
3: By the teeth,
2: separate by <laughs> oh, so will my melody? and So
0: again, a couple years old from a band from many years ago, but wow, is that incredibly relevant? So the
1: OJs are a legendary uh, R&B vocal group. They're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They had many, many hits way back in the 70s, including one that maybe people still remember, a couple that people might still remember, one called For the Love of Money, which you may have heard, and one called Love Train, which you may have heard. But uh, they always were very political in their music, and they wanted to make one last album. They hadn't made an album for 20 years, And they're approaching 80 years old, the singers in the OJs. And they wanted to make one final record. And we said to them, hey, we'd love to make a record with you, but it's got to be a political record because there's so much that needs to be said today. And um, they said, yeah, that's great. We want to make a political record. And uh, one of the people who I've worked with the most over the years, an incredible R&B singer and songwriter named Betty Wright wrote that song and she's a legendary uh artist who people should go check out if you have any interest in like soul music and the history of american uh music in general you should check out betty wright she died sadly this spring of cancer and she was really great and one of my real musical mentors and that's the last song she ever wrote that was recorded and i'm so happy that we got to get that song uh recorded and uh, and out there for the world cuz it's it's a message that that right it, it sadly it hasn't died that message that you know no one is above the law and we just keep hearing more and more in today's world about how there are people out there in the government who think they're above the law and hopefully we're going to make a change um but uh that song that song is speaks to that very uh very powerful sentiment that no one is above the law and I, and I love it when our artists get political um Another artist that I work with at the label called AJR, they're three brothers, you might've heard of them. Um, they did a song a couple of years ago called Burn the House Down that became the theme song to March to Our March for Our Lives, um, you know, the anti-gun movement based in Florida. And they did that song and they appeared at all kinds of March for Our Lives um, events. So uh, music is a really powerful tool to affect social change. You know, it's uh, it's great to have a slogan, but it's, Better to have a hooky slogan that, you know, will stick in your head.
0: So, so there, I, I, I mean, again, to be able to use the, the power of music for these things is so important. There are folks who are, are out there, of course, calling for cultural boycotts of Israel, you know, using, using music to try to change policies. You're involved with something called the Creative Community for Peace. How do you, as a Jewish person navigating the record industry, dedicated to social action, how do you deal with things like the BDS movement and musicians who take that position?
1: I think that you know, I, again, I, I'm I'm with David Broza on this. That no matter how you feel about politics, it's always good to keep the lines of communication open. It's always good to exchange ideas. It's uh, it's never appropriate to shut down people who have creative ideas who are thought leaders just because you don't like uh, what their government may or may not be doing. And so in Creative Community for Peace, what we do is um, when artists are pressured to cancel their concerts in Israel, uh, we actually counter that and try to explain to people why they shouldn't cancel their concerts in Israel and how the, con- the, contra- the controversy and the conflict in Israel is so much more complex and nuanced. You know, David Broza, um, like myself, is very much you know, on the left as far as uh, issues of, 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 of is- Israel and the Palestinians and the question of a two-state solution. And uh, and yet David Broza will play concerts in the settlements in Israel, even though he doesn't believe the settlements should be there. He'll play concerts in the settlements. And he says, I'm happy to play anywhere as long as they know that they can't tell me what I can play and what I can say. And I'm with David on that. I think that is I think that we'd be a much uh, healthier world if everybody talked to each other a lot more instead of uh, avoiding people with whom they disagree.
0: I think that's that's such an amazing position. And Aneta, who we mentioned earlier, she has a great line about the BDS movement, which is when you boycott when you boycott light, you spread darkness. And I think that that sort of embodies what you're talking about here. Okay, so everyone, get ready with your questions for Steve. Get those hands raised. I'm gonna run Steve through our questionnaire we've been doing every week. Okay. So first up, uh, so everyone get in line while I'm asking these questions and be ready with your questions. First up, what was your favorite camp meal back in the
1: day? Wow, my favorite camp meal. I really liked the hamburgers on Friday afternoon. Oh, barbecue.
0: That's a good good choice. All right. Do you have a favorite staff member, if not a single one? You You don't have to have a favorite of everyone. If you had a couple you wanted to talk to, that's okay, too?
1: Sure. I, there, was this, there was this one Madreach uh, whose name was Pinchas Giller, who was kind of a mentor of mine back in the day in Yon-Judea. He was an old hippie from the 60s. You know, I'm, I'm a late 70s Young judean He was a late 60s Yon-Judean with all of that, in, all that entailed. And he brought just that great freewheeling way of looking at the world and uh, kind of almost magical way of looking at the world to everything he did in uh, in Yom judea
0: Okay. All right. I love, that's cool. That's awesome. All right. And how about you're, you're the, you're the, you know, the master of song here. Shira song. Is there, is it Ye Is there another one? Is that the one that sticks out to you? What was the song you used to sing back in the day?
1: you Wow. Um, You know, the songs have changed so much from, from, from back then to today. I always liked the song, Potom Kamadam Baboker, if you guys know that song. Um, (laughs) Shira Baboker, Baboker is actually the real name of the song. And that was a big song when I was a kid at camp. And I always liked that one.
0: Very cool. Okay. And then, you know, sometimes our hits come through the, through the dance and not just the, the shiraz sessions. Is there a Rikud's, Rikud, that that's really evolved. Is there a Rikud song that speaks to you? I remember I'm so
1: old that we used to dance in a circle when I was in the NVIDIA. Um, <laughs> I, I danced in a circle. too. <laughs> so I think you guys all dance in a line. Um, probably Yo-Ya, you know, Yo-Ya is the best dance.
0: Yeah, that's great. Have you ever gotten a chance to meet the guys who wrote that or? or, or... Sure,
1: sure. Not only did I get a chance to meet the guys who wrote that, but the guys who wrote that, Boogie, came to Tell Yehuda in the year 2004 uh, during a Young Judea reunion that we had at Tell Yehuda. And they wow. performed all their hits and it was really great. Wow.
0: So Danny Sanderson, Giddy Gove, all those guys. They were there. That's Indeed, incredible. Uh, I, I got a chance to see them live in one of their reunion shows too. It was amazing. Okay, so we're going to open it up for questions. Um, uh, I'm I'm not seeing like the is the raise hand function. So I guess if folks haven't been raising hands, throw a question in the chat or, or say hey I want to ask a question. In the meantime, I'm gonna I still have lots of stuff I want to ask Steve about. So I'm gonna keep I'm I'm, I'm gonna keep asking him. Um, as a Jewish person, how much are your Jewish values influencing your work, or, and how much are those I values think, inherently Jewish? I,
1: I think I think you know Jewish ethics. I hope, inter, in, you know, uh, influence my work. I try to be an ethical person in business. I try not, not to exploit artists. I think there are a lot of people historically and even today in the music business who are exploitative of artists. And I think I hope that I've tried to be fair to artists over the years and. And have artists share fairly in in their success. Um, And uh, I I think we try to be positive also with the label. We don't put out records that have negative messages. Um, You know, we might be a little bit of a kind of goody-goody label um, in, in our output over the years, but I'm proud of that. Somebody like Andy Grammer, who's one of the most positive people I know in the world. You know, I'm I'm proud that we have him on the label. You know, you know, there there are some labels that think, oh, he's he's not cool, you know. But I think he's great, you know, and I think his songs are great, and they spread a positive message in the world, and, and that's important to me. Well,
0: that's awesome. Well, speaking of your incredible label, I I, I would love for you to introduce the special guest that uh, has just popped into the room, and if uh, the TY, it would Post- be my spot.
1: pleasure to introduce the special guest who just popped into the room. So a uh, couple of years ago. Um, I saw an announcement that a video had just gone online by uh, the person who was going to represent Israel in the Eurovision Song Contest, and I immediately went and watched that video, and I said, oh, this is so great, I want to sign this person, and so I reached out to, uh, to her management and I said, I want to sign Neta. <laughs> and I think they were pretty surprised. This was before Eurovision had happened. She was just Israel's entry in Eurovision. I, and, I, and I said to everybody, I'm gonna sign an artist and I'm sure she's gonna win Eurovision. And I said this like to everybody in music industry, I said, no, she's gonna win. And they said, how do you know? I said, I, said, I promise you, she's gonna win. And she won. <laughs> and that of course enabled uh, Eurovision to be held in Tel Aviv the next year, which was so exciting because I got to attend that. And she performed again at the next year. So actually, without any further ado, here is the great Eurovision winner, Israeli legendary artist and s recording artist, Netta Barzilai.
2: Hello. Good evening uh, to everybody. Okay, and for me, awesome,
1: movie, movie star as well in the Eurovision movie.
0: I, Netta, I told the story when I started. My daughter, seven years old, saw you appear in the Eurovision and it opened her mind and had her realize that a Jewish person can win Eurovision and it was so (laughs) inspiring to her. So, you know, even that movie is continuing to continue your legend and your and and your inspiration of people. Well, uh, first of all,
2: thank you so much for this introduction, Steve. Um, I'm very humbled. and uh, you know, uh, um, I I didn't mean to inspire anyone. Just you know, I I thought about um, how am I the best version of myself? How am I staying true to myself? How how am I bringing something fresh? How am I breaking the stigma? Um, and when you when you do what you really want to do, you you accidentally inspire other people. And uh, when you stop thinking about what's who what it, whatever people are thinking then then you do something original and you do something that you're proud of and you can never blame anybody else for your for a failure or for a success <laughs> um which is which is pretty cool oh.
0: Well, Netta, that's so great having you here. My name is Shai Corman. I'm like the guest moderator for the day. Shalom,
2: Shai.
0: <laughs> Sh- shalom, shalom. Uh, I'd love to do it in Yvrit, but I don't know if everybody else is. Um, but Steve, of course, interrupt me at any times. Uh, folks, if you would like to ask Netta a question, now's the time to use the raise your hand function uh, uh, because I believe, Netta, it's, oh, you're going to be okay answering some questions from the audience. Oh my God,
2: I would I would be honored and I would like that very much. Right, <laughs> this well, quarantine that- is very boring. <laughs> and I would love questions.
0: Well, I'll start with the first one. And that is you represent, you know, you, you said you go you, you within yourself to make that art, right? That art is what you want to do. But at the same time, when you when you win the Eurovision, you're representing your country, you're representing all Jewish people, and you're representing that authentic self. How does it feel having all of those things in one on one person's shoulders?
2: Well, it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, reminiscing. It's like Eurovision was, was, was a long time ago (laughs) and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm starting my musical path, like doing my own stuff. And, And I, and I realized that, um, you can't beat like, like doing music for like, people are asking me, who are you? So, so who are, who is your audience? Who are you aiming for? Uh, we are. With, we, we try to make music with a lot of people, and I uh, and I understood something. Uh, you can't try to be American. You can try to be English. You can try to be anything that you're not. I am Israeli. I am Jewish. I am uh, beautiful, and uh, and I can't beat anyone at their own game, it needs to be mine. And uh, and I am very, very proud of who I am and where I come from. And in all of my pieces of music, there is my personality. You can see a lot of shades of it. Um, and uh, in when we did Toy, uh, it was the whole crew, it, was israeli the writers the dancers the the every everybody uh we 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 had this unite uniteness (laughs) feeling uh that we're doing something uh bigger and a lot of like the other teams had had like you know we we need swedish writers so we can have the best song we need uh, uh, we, we need swedish dancers we need like american Uh, top liners so so it's like you have to be you you have like i i am very connected to the place that i come from uh and you can hear that a lot in my music like i i can't see myself living anywhere else oh my god i have a bug on me sorry (laughs) (laughs) it's one of the benefits of like living in a moshav
0: (laughs) oh wow that's awesome Uh, um, So, again, I invite folks to ask questions. I have a follow up question in the meantime. I think people are stunned, Neta, to be honest, (laughs) that, that, that you appeared. And thank you, Steve, for bringing you. So I have a follow up question. You know, we've got young people here. These are teenagers. These are future Jewish leaders. They are living in a world that I did not grow up in, which is filled with social media and um, information from flying in different places and cyberbullying and, and all of that stuff. When you become a star, I imagine it's not just people loving on you. There's people that are also uh, throwing negative things. How do you as a human, as a person handle that, um, uh, that as an empathetic person, handle that kind of thing?
2: I think a uh, bully, a bully, um, I, I've been dealing with bullies, a bully is a bully is a bully. <laughs> I've been dealing with this since I was very young. Um, I, I grew up, uh, until I was six, I grew up in Nigeria, uh, and uh, I grew up with six kids in a classroom. And, uh, and they were all in different colors and spoke different languages and physical appearance wasn't a thing. So I was, I didn't discover that I am the the, the fat Unibrod kid with the accent until I was like eight years old. Um, when I came to Israel to 40 uh, kids in a classroom that looked kind of the same. Um, and when kids label you, it kind of sticks uh, so I believed that I was who they said I was for a very long time, till I was 18, 19, when I started my growing process. And I realized that I am missing all the fun, <laughs> like when all the, the all the fuss was over. And I realized that only what you believe you are that's who you are. So I get a lot of hate and it makes me laugh because I am who I am. I am Jewish and Israeli and, and fat, and I am obviously all those things. And I love them about me. Uh, if I get hate for for basically, who I am uh, and I get accused um, for actions that people may or may not like that my country does. it has nothing to do with me, and I keep telling myself that that's my mantra i don't i won't lie there There are days when I feel bad <laughs> uh, but uh, but usually I am not very offended wow. because it's basically, it's not my problem. It's their problem.
0: I, that's incredible advice. Whether someone is a massive star or again, me talking to my own children. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep that with me. Uh, we do have a question from Natalie. Sabrusula. Um, uh, I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, uh, or Sabrusula. Uh, where did you get the inspiration for TOY? And I would say, uh, knowing you worked with a whole bunch of different people, how how does TOY connect to you uh, personally? I'll add.
2: Hmm. Uh, where did the inspiration for that? First of all, TOY was written for me by two wonderful men, uh, which are Doron Medali and Stav Uh Doron Medali is the writer uh, a co-writer, and he uh, he's been dreaming to win Eurovision for the forty years that he is alive. Seriously, he's a big fanatic <laughs> uh, of the competition. I knew nothing about it entering uh, uh, my reality show. I knew, and he already had the algorithm, <laughs> um, and. Uh, and he re- he's he's written Golden Boy, as well, oh, wow. and he's been waiting uh, for someone who would give him, who would be bigger than life and a, a, a big diva that that will give him inspiration. And then uh, he he he's telling the story that he saw me um, doing Rude Boy in my reality show uh, called Akhava Ba, and then he stood up uh, in his in in his house. Uh, he stood up from his sofa watching me and he said, this is the winner of Eurovision 2018. Stop everything. We found her. This is her. And uh, and then he worked really, really hard uh, to write something that will fit my me- my measures. Uh, like the hot topics that year, uh, it was... Uh, was trump <laughs> um it was uh self uh empowerment and um and it was body shaming so he thought that all came to a really great uh I don't know how to say it, like, it's it's karma. It's all mar- miraculously came together, like me and the song, and it all came to him. And, um, and then I heard it um, after I won, and I thought it was complete shit. <laughs> I thought it was terrible. Um, and I didn't want to sing it. Uh, and then we met in the studio, and he let me enter uh, some tweaks that I thought, would be cool um i personally saw myself as an artist that can't take herself too seriously the whole song was very very serious it had no chicken clocking it had no uh, uh the, the pikachus or stupid or it, it it was really you know an empowerment serious song um and i think that's a problem about you know feminism uh when we think feminism uh we think about women hating men and i think that whenever we come from hate when you come from hate you can never bring love you can you can never bring light when you bring darkness and i I thought it should be similar to, to, gay, to a gay pride parade. It should be a celebration of love. It should be a celebration of, hey, I'm here. I bring love. You may like me or you may not, uh, but you can join the party if, if you'd like to. And, uh, and then came all the humorous stuff, the Pikachu, the stupid boy, and the chicken clock. Which I took from, you know, I took from like boys being, uh, uh, b- bullies being afraid yeah. of something. Bulliness comes out of fear. So a chicken was like on point, and I took it from my jazz schooling, which I may or not use, may or may not use in the future.
0: That's that's an incredible story. We do have some questions. If you have a little bit more time, it would be sure. great. I think people are now out of the shock, and now they have so many questions. So, uh, Eliana Zitrin, uh, I would love for you to unmute yourself and uh, and uh, ask away to the incredible Netta.
3: Right, before we do that, I just want—I know we're we're supposed to go to lunch at one. People who feel they need to go eat should go eat. Everybody else can stay. This is amazing. So, um, you know, eat later.
2: Whoever wants to eat, it, it's okay. You can go eat. I will el- stay.
0: El- I will I stay here. <laughs> Eliana, fire away.
2: Um, how did like the coronavirus pandemic like affect? Like, I mean, obviously you want to be able to do concerts and stuff. But like, what have you been doing? Not sure I'm hearing Doing you quite
0: everything. well what? as your uh, uh Neta it was a question about how coronavirus is is affecting you as a musician.
2: Okay, so the uh,
0: ability to do concerts and, and that's, keep it going.
2: That's an amazing question actually. Um <laughs> obviously there's no concerts. I have um my platform called Netas Office which I do perform for my own (laughs) comfortable house. Uh, uh, It's weird, Uh, it's on YouTube, Uh, and it's very, very fun. Uh, I do interactive stuff with my followers, and uh, I miss performing like, I I didn't appreciate performing before, like, it, it's, it seems like a, a distant memory, uh, making music in front of people. Uh, and I miss it and I, uh, it, it pains me. Uh, and, uh, and I hope this will all be over, but we all have to reinvent ourselves <laughs> this, at this time. Uh, and I'm finding out that I am very good at cooking. I'm sorry I'm lying. I'm very bad. I just I just like to say I'm good. <laughs> um, um, I, I, I won't lie to you. This is a very, very confusing situation. And I'm still, you know, I'm still figuring out. Um, what I'm really scared of is that uh, people will stop pursuing music and art because uh, you can't really make a living anymore, and this is going to be the situation for for about a year or two <laughs> if we're if we're really not optimistic. And uh, and what it, with a world with no art, uh, it's it's very sad, and it's a world that it's not that is not free, in my opinion. Good question.
0: Yeah, and, and very much some, I think everyone can relate to that. There's another question coming back to Toy. Uh, Isabel Khan asked what it was like making that mu- the music video which was like incredible.
2: Well, nobody told me uh, uh, the concept of the music video and what dancers are gonna be there and who's the director. I was like imagine like uh, a bomb fell on your house that was me winning the competition and I wasn't expect I didn't expect to win I didn't expect to win like my pre-election my reality show and then like 10 days after that there was the song and 10 days after that the video was out so you didn't really have a chance to decide stuff and to be a part of a creation so they brought me to a set filled with uh colors and I just did what I do in front of the mirror since I was a very little girl. Uh since I was 6 or 7 year old I've been like posing in front of the mirror like doing that shit <laughs> and uh and 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 they were all in in a big shock. Like figuring out, figuring out how confident I was and how light I was and how, how much freedom I give to that six year old girl. Um, I am basically, I'm, I'm trying to give that girl a lot more freedom in the studio when I write, when I compose music, she knows best <laughs> what's a hit. She knows best what works. Everything else is, is just fear. Uh, and that's it.
0: And, and I think the audience can tell because I don't think, personally, as a as a lover of music, I don't think that a song like "Toy" or a video like "Toy" captures people unless the they know that you're shining through in that. So uh, I I feel that's amazing to know that the six year old girl is part of it. Uh, Nina Rutherford asks, "How was your life affected after Eurovision?
2: How was my life affected?" um i call it like the the pancake moment like the, <laughs> like that flipped <laughs> um uh everything changed uh it it you know israel is so small and we all think that we're the center of the world <laughs> we are <laughs> but we are sure that uh, nothing else happens elsewhere and um and i discovered how big the world is and uh, like we we are sure nobody everybody's anti-semitic and nobody gives a shit about us and then uh and then something like this happened uh when when the world chooses to to vote for israel uh i discovered how much the world is big, and how many hearts can I reach? I, I, I never thought a thing like that could happen to me. Uh, I never thought I could change. I could make a, a significant change of in so many young boys' and girls' lives. And it was, you know, I walked in, I walked in a street uh, in Spain. I was doing a shooting, like, maybe six months after that and I, I saw a Spanish-like young girl, like she stumbled uh, upon me on the street, like really bumped into me and she was, looking at, she was looking at me and she was like in complete shock. She was like this chubby girl and she immediately started crying and, 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 and saying stuff in Spanish that I didn't understand And I, I, she was saying, and and I was in tears. I didn't get a word of what she was saying. And I was, and that was the moment I realized that how much it resonated Uh, and it was amazing.
0: Well, Netta, thank you so much for sharing your light with us i actually before you you got on i had mentioned your quote about the about how if you don't share light you bring darkness uh Mm -hmm. and now us being in your presence wow do we do we feel it even through the the crazy world of zoom um and 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 i want to be able to uh let you go back to regular life and steve go back to regular life um i'd love to hand it to i'd love um if you have any sort of wrapping up words uh, I would love to give you the last word before going to Steve and to David to 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 properly to properly you know close out the the show. But is there anything you'd like any final message you'd love to leave the chanihim with here?
2: Ah, first of all, thank you so much uh, for letting me do this and letting me talk to you. I I feel honored and privileged. Um, stay yourselves. Hang in there. Uh, this is one of the most interesting, darkest, uh, fascinating times that, that has ever happened. And, uh, and if you can find a way to, to beat the system, uh, and find happiness, uh, which is already there and enjoy the simple stuff, then you are winning. Uh, have a wonderful uh, Shabbat. <laughs> um, and I, you have a big hug for me.
0: Toda <inaudible> Shabbat shalom. Thank you so much. Bye everyone. Thank
3: you. Thank you so much for being a
2: You're part also of You're all so pretty.
3: <laughs> I just, before Netta goes off, I just want to thank you also Netta because when we're back in camp again next summer, as we started last summer, every Saturday night, and the kids know this, they are out dancing to Toy. We've got a dance at Tell Yehuda, and we've got 300 kids and 100 staff people, and it is a dramatic moment in camp. And we'll send you a video of 400 of, 400 of, our, uh, of our young Judeans at Tell to dancing to your song. So thank you for the song, because it, it gets us really going on Saturday night at Tell Yehuda.
2: Listen to my other songs too. They're too. They're good too. <laughs> oh,
3: there's a great new song called Cuckoo, and you should.
2: Oh, I love it. Oh,
0: and I love um, Sababa Basa. Is that also? Is that also one of your? I Basa like that Sababa. Bas, Bas, Basa That's Sababa. also mine. Sorry, I was reading left to right instead of right to left. <laughs> was a great Bye, song.
2: kids. Uh,
0: uh, Steve, thank you so much for inviting S Curve recording artist. Legend Neta to be a part of this, you know, doubling down on the inspiration <laughs> for everyone. Uh, do you have um, also final words for the Hanichim? Uh, uh, how to how to live their lives and as with success, anti olam at the same time is not an easy thing.
1: Oh, I don't. I don't want to tell anyone how to live their life, uh, but yeah, I will say that we do. Are, we are living in remarkable times, and there are some times when you know, uh, social action isn't a luxury. It's a necessity. And I think your generation for better or worse is in that situation where you have no choice but to go out there and try to fix this world that that needs a lot of fixing. And I just knowing a lot, you know, a lot, a lot of young people through my daughters, um, I think that you guys have it in you to become the greatest generation ever. And I hope you fulfill that. Thank you for letting me talk to you. Oh oh, there was
0: one last business question for you. Mr. Greenberg, Bet Gaze- the Bet Gazebo, asks, can you predict the song of
1: the summer? Wow, can I predict the song of the summer? Um, that's a great question. Song of the summer. You know, you know, I have a, uh, a, um, a fondness for that song. Uh, Blueberry Fago, I think, is a great song. I also think that that new song by Kane Brown, uh, with uh, Khaled, I, I see somebody pumping for that, so there you go, could be it. So I think those are, those are my two kicks. Uh, but of course, I just want to point out, we do have a dark horse candidate at my label because we have a song called Banana by Conqueror, uh, which has uh, got about, I think, over 30 million TikToks made of that song so far. Um about <laughs> a billion people on TikTok. So you know, I'm, I'm also rooting for that.
0: That's, that's awesome. Thank you, Steve. Uh, thank you, David, for having me these last three weeks. Thank you, Hanikhim T.Y. I look
1: forward, to David, right? to coming back someday in person at camp.
3: Well, that's what I'm going to – when Shai's done, i got to say a word about that. So oh, hang on. For one more minute. I, I, I,
0: I'm done. It's been a pleasure. Uh, you know, T.Y. is deep in my heart and in my family. You've probably seen my mom, who uh, popped into this for a little bit uh, as well. My parents met at T.Y. So, you know, I wouldn't be here without T.Y. Uh, but, yeah, over to you, David. Thanks for having me the last few weeks.
3: Shai, thank you. You know, this, these last three weeks have been amazing. We've heard from, you know, the editor of the Online New York Times, the head writer from the Late uh, late Show, Stephen Colbert, Grammy Award winner, S-Curve record, and good friend Steve Greenberg. And, uh, you know, if there's one thing I've taken from all of it is that, like, they all have powerful voices, and they're using those powerful voices in the platforms in a moment. I'm going to cry where those platforms really matter um, to all of us. This initial idea started because Steve since the 1970s, has given a sicha at Tel Yehuda, a talk at Tell Yehuda about American youth culture, and he's given it every decade. And we have not gotten to this decade yet. And we thought we might do it here, but instead we wanted to continue with this amazing platform. So next summer, 2021, uh, and doesn't matter what Shekha you're in, you're all invited back to Tell Yehuda to hear Steve give his talk for the sixth decade in a row at TY. Um, and, and, uh, and on a final word, You know, I wouldn't be where I was. My first summer ever as a Madriach, Steve was my marquez, and remind me to tell you about how we almost killed all the Hanichim one day. Um, Thanks, Steve. Thanks shy. Well, we uh, oh, and speaking evolve. of
0: platforms, Steve's got a new platform coming out that everybody has to and and the reason why I say this is that Steve gave a lecture in the early 2000s in my class about the history of disco and how disco was an underground revolutionary counterculture, which as a kid who grew up on grunge music, I really didn't know. And to this day, 20 years later, I remember it and that's going to be in part of what's infused in your music history podcast that's coming up, correct? That's right. Actually, on the 28th
1: of July, it'll be the first episode of a podcast I'm doing called Speed of Sound. And it's all about how pop music phenomena happen and how pop music collides with cultural history. And if you're interested in that kind of thing, I hope you'll listen.
0: It's going to be awesome. Again, having been, have been, been to the music lectures and remember 20 years later, I can't wait to hear it all, uh, all of the other decades and pop culture phenomenon discussed.
1: Okay. thank you
3: thanks for having me thank you everybody thank you shy
0: thank you for listening to this very special event episode of the friday night movie podcast a huge thanks to ty steve greenberg and music legend netta for dropping in and being a part of this conversation you can follow steve greenberg's podcast Speed of sound dropping on July twenty eighth. Everywhere where you get your podcasts, and of course, you can follow Friday Night Movie at Friday Night Movie on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me at Pancake 4 Table on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. You can follow Lily at Chichi K Gomez on Twitter. Becky Paper B K Princess on twitter and our theme song is by what does it eat also our family is supporting the naacp legal defense fund and the equal justice initiative so please check out those organizations and join us in supporting the black lives matter movement by learning from them and supporting them hope you all enjoyed this very special episode of the show and uh we'll be back soon with uh, your usual friday night movie shenanigans list.